G'day, I'm James. Welcome to the Australian Opinion on Formula One here at the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast. In this episode, we're reviewing qualifying in Bahrain. G'day, mate. How you doing? Oh, Fernando Alonso is the world champion. 2023, shut the door, close the case. It is all done and dusted as far as I'm concerned in my mind. <laughs> all aboard the hype train, choo-choo. Dr. Camp will see us now. I think the lid is off. You've got the lid off right there, haven't you? You've <laughs> fully sent it. <laughs> I've no, ne- very good start. Very I, good start. I have never been so excited for a qualifying session, I think, halfway through a qualifying session as I have was, was rather for, <laughs> for Bahrain. But, uh, mate, let's get straight into it. Let's talk about... Uh, everything that happened. Um, firstly, I want to point out the continued uselessness of the FIA in taking oh, a mate. significant period of time to send a red flag out for a piece in carbon fibre that, as well as Brundle said, it was well off the racing line. Yeah, ridiculous. Like that was completely unnecessary. Uh, that is just such a waste of everyone's time. Compromised about four or five drivers, like fast laps as well. But then also later on, they decided to do some Weybridge chicanery where they gave half a millisecond of red flag for Lance to move over. It's like, well, we've already just sailed bar. So FIA off to a ripping start. Uh, it might be worse season ever. Oh, just that ridiculousness for, for Lance Stroll as well. There was just not enough time for, for no. him to get in at all. You're right. Yeah, it just... Absolutely off to a terrible start. No surprises there. Um, also, not a surprise is realistically what everyone was going in and saying that the, the sort of back end of the grid would be Alpha Tauri versus Haas versus Williams, or at least Williams said that, that those other two teams were the direct competition. Turns out no one told Hulk that. <laughs> or Albon um, yeah. or, or Yuki, really. Uh, yeah. But it turns out McLaren is the one that should be relegated right down to the very back. Um, a horrific, Ugh. a horrific time for them. But and I just want to say this: the it is the smallest covered time spread of the entire field since this qualifying format was introduced in 2006. In Q1, there was yep. 1.188 seconds between first and 20th, which is just mind-blowing. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tight. Well, that's what we want, right? We've said this for however long this podcast has existed and before, that we want tight racing. So we're getting what we asked for, which is the whole grid is going to be bunched up. And like you said, it's just the tightest it's ever been since we started this qualifying format. So that's the positive. I'm going to take it. Do you know what's a negative? Is David what? Croft's newfound love for the press the red button so you can see all 20 drivers' uh, points of view. Just quickly, while we're talking about bull crap happening during the commentary, <laughs> why do I care that it's Max's dad's birthday? Is that relevant <laughs> to any point? Do we care about anyone's birthday during a Formula One weekend? I don't. You're so right. Moving on. You're Moving on. You are so bloody right. <laughs> it's just unbelievably ridiculous. Okay, let's talk about the the sort of pointy end, I suppose, or a good summary of what happened in qualifying. Um, Red Bull, although they were favourites, I think we probably all of us said they were favourites heading into this weekend. Realistically, they weren't as quick or as, as fast or didn't build enough of a gap, I thought, in all of the practice sessions or in qualifying to really show this dominance that we all expected. And it only really took them to the very end of qualifying to actually put a balance together in the car that they seemed pretty happy with because those first two qualifying sessions, Q1 and Q2, Sergio Perez couldn't 
really get it connected. Uh, and even Max Verstappen couldn't get it connected as well as he would have hoped, I reckon. I agree. I think, um, and it sounded like they both spoke about it quickly with Coulthard afterwards, that they've set it up more as a race car than as a qualifying car, which is something Red Bull do all the time. But you could tell that they weren't as happy as they might have been. Um, but they managed to make it work, didn't they? They they found that last little bit or they, I don't know, they fully released the car and, and gave it the full overtake button. I don't know what they did. Fully charged the batteries. Something for that last kind of stint in Q3 and it was enough. But I think we're, I'm probably surprised at how close the rest of the pack is to Red Bull. I thought that would be miles ahead. I'm glad that they're not bloody miles ahead. Uh, because we, as you, as we've said, we want this tight for however long this podcast has existed. We need it tight yep. as possible. Um, the bizarre thing, though, for me was Ferrari in in Charles Leclerc jumping out of that car um, for what they've said is a tactical reason uh, to try and get themselves in a better position for the race. That just kind of goes against every fiber of his being, I reckon. It definitely does. I think this is the classic overcorrect that Ferrari's been canned having no strategy, so now they're going to go too much strategy. <laughs> and we're going to overthink every situation. You know what's better than first? Uh, third with extra tires. That's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the ticket. That is the most Ferrari crap I've ever heard, you idiot. Oh, it's just it's just so disappointing because realistically they they were in a good shot. There were some couple of purple sectors there, but they yeah. just really struggle with the with the balance of the car as well. It wasn't this you know amazing Ferrari dominance that uh, I was kind of hoping to see. And let's not forget, I predicted that Charles Leclerc would be the world champion this year. Well, I'm going to change that to Fernando Alonso, even if it is a complete outside chance. I just want that I- so badly for him. I haven't seen your fantasy team, but I have a feeling that Charlotte Claire is in there, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you, you put you put your money where your mouth is right there. I think you could see more with um, Sainz's car that he was struggling with the balance of that car. The back end kept stepping out on him. So I think there's a lot more work to be done with how that car set up and how they're, they're not happy yet, I wouldn't say. Um, so good pace considering uh, like that car is, I would say an improvement on last year. Um, and again, like we've mentioned in all of our preseason talks, Fred is only fresh to this team. Mm. There is He has had no chance to kind of make any technical changes. He's tried to make some personnel changes and some management style, but even still, this is like the first kind of in-heat weekend that they're actually having to do that. So there's going to be a lot of changes that come from what they find over this, this kind of time. Righto, everyone. Hang on. Got to pay the bills around here. Well, massive thank you to our sponsor for this episode, NordVPN. NordVPN is a brilliant VPN application. You know that if you've listened to Lakeside Drive for the last couple of months because they've been sponsoring the show for the last couple of months. If you want to protect yourself online with the best VPN on the market, you can get a really great rate if you go to nordvpn.com forward slash Lakeside Drive. It'll give you an incredible deal. And the birthday celebrations of NordVPN are continuing. So make sure you jump onto the website or you can find the link in the show notes below to protect yourself online and go and see the full range of features that NordVPN offers. It's not just VPNs. There's a whole bunch of other things going on within Nord and it is a bloody great application. So again, a massive thank you to NordVPN for sponsoring this episode and make sure you check them out if you want to support the show. All right, let's get back to it. I can't help think that uh, Fernando Alonso kind of had more to give on his last lap 
in Q3. Uh, one of the entrances and exits, I think it was turn four, he um, was a little, had a different line maybe to, to what he had done previously, trying to find those extra tents, which just says a lot, doesn't it, about his mentality now going into this season. But I've written here, how bloody good is this? Aston Martin ahead, qualify, our qualifying, the works team that ha- that is powering the Aston Martin along. Maybe, in fact, Tommy T, the campus is working. Didn't someone say that in one of our preseason talks? Oh, wait, that was me that said that. <laughs> Campy, you idiot. I said that they were going to overtake the works team, and I was correct. You were correct. Uh, no, that was excellent from them. And also, considering Stroll hasn't had any practice, I think that car is excellent because he did pretty outstanding job considering he had less time in the car than everyone. He also was compromised with stupid qualifying things, uh, missed a lap, and then he had the Weybridge incident. So he- for him to get to where he was, I think that was pretty outstanding. Um, but, yeah, that car is looking quick, hey? And I think Fernando is exactly the kind of driver that's going to push that team to the next level. So, very excited. And you've proclaimed him world champion, which can you imagine to have a world champion oh. come back at that stage of his career after all the good and the bad that's happened? I think that would be such an incredible story, and that's something that we're all rooting for for Alonso to do well. That would be the thing that helps this sport really, you know, have that longevity line again. We talked about it through Drive to Survive. Yeah. You know, what does is five years on, five years off. I think if Fernando Alonso was to be able to tie this up and oh. not, not in a dominant style way, but let's do it all the way to the very end of the season and have a four or five way battle for the championship. You know, the, the, there is no shortage of drivers uh, in these teams in Aston Martin. Well, I mean, Lance Stroll's not going to do it. So and Fernando Alonso, the two Mercedes drivers, the two Ferrari drivers and two Red Bull drivers, uh, yeah. really all of them could be within a shot. I mean, reliability is going to come in How to play. How dare you not include Hulkenberg in that conversation? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you're not wrong. Let's let's talk about Hulkenberg because I, I am shocked. Firstly, I'm pleased because just on your, yeah. your point about um, fantasy team, the drivers that I have got are Max Verstappen on two times points, Charles Leclerc, Fernando Alonso, Yuki Tsunoda, and Nico Hulkenberg with Red Bull and Aston Martin as my team. So, um, Campy, you're dead, mate. No, that's uh, I'm, I'm coming for you. He also doesn't understand how how that's working this year and has put both Red Bull drivers, both Aston Martin drivers, and Yuki Tsunoda in his drivers. Like, you do realize how this works? No. Uh, anyway, <laughs> classic Campy. But this midfield pack, I mean, Nico Hulkenberg, super sub for the last couple of years. He's been out of Formula One full-time for three years. And to come back and qualify 10th, only just behind the team that he was booted from, uh, I think is is pretty phenomenal, really. Uh, And and the pace that he was putting in those Q1 sessions too, to to out-qualify Kevin Magnussen, who, you know, obviously had a very short period of time to come back into the car last year, but has driven this generation of Formula One car for yep. 22 races is mind-blowing. And I think Haas, uh, Gene Haas and Gunter Steiner will be very, very happy with that indeed. Big time. I, it's mind-blowing that someone has come back as quickly as he has and is right back where he left off, like right in the mix, always pushing, always kind of giving you that hint of like there's more here, but just never, ever kind of confirming that. I think it's been a very exciting time for Hulk and – that's going to be a good thing for K-Mag too, to have a competitive teammate because last year, yeah, it was awesome, but he wasn't getting pushed. He was clearly the dominant driver. I think you're going to get a better K-Mag because of this. You might even see some fire, which is 
also not a bad thing, but I think this is going to be the best thing for that Haas team going forward um, and exciting and it's, to see that first race uh, that Hulk is starting inside the top 10. Yeah, that's what we wanted to see is is a bit of a shake-up of the order of the midfield. It kind of looks as expected from what we were talking about in terms of our preview for, for this season yeah. and for this weekend. Um, although he got out in Q2, Yuki looked... Pretty pretty on pace, um, and was was more dominant than his his teammate Nick DeVries. Uh, the Alpha Tauri though really struggled last year, and there wasn't a lot of hope yeah. through testing either that it would be a quick machine. But for for him, I think he should be happy enough with that. Um, certainly, I I think you know Michael Italiano, who's now his trainer for this year, would be pretty stoked with that fourteenth place starting there. And as I said, his teammate Nick DeVries starting in nineteenth, which. I mean, it's his first time out in the Alpha Tower, so it's not really one way or the other, I think, for Nick DeVries. Um, but I'd love to talk about Williams, Logan Sargent, and and the McLaren of Lando Norris finishing in Q1 with the exact same time, I think, of 131.652. Uh, it was only because Lando Norris set it merely 30 seconds earlier, I think, that he managed to get through. But for, for Williams... To be challenging for to get out of Q one right at the very beginning with the rookie driver, yeah. I think is a great thing for them. Yeah, big time. And well, Albon made it through, so like they clearly got a car that is Q two worthy, which is kind of what they've been aiming for. Is we want to consistently be getting out of Q one, we want to be making making moves, and then like on the right day, we're in Q one and we're in for a top ten. We're in Q three, sorry, and in for a top ten. So like the development in that car's happened, and I think. It seems like Sargent is what he's supposed to be. I think there was a lot of hesitation, definitely from me and others, that maybe he was there because he's from the US and he's good for branding and good for the kind of that side of the sport, less so for the drive. But the guys backed it up. And yeah, like you said, exactly the same as Norris, who then kind of, you would argue, probably deserved to be out in Q, Q1 because that car is just woeful. Yeah, to say the least. Uh, let's finish this episode up by talking about Oscar Piastri. Uh, he wasn't able to get out of Q1, which is not surprising considering how much of a dog that car looks. Um, but he wasn't far off Lando for for many of those runs early on. I think it was only a tenth off uh, before Lando yep. put in that time. So for him, he would be pretty okay, I think, with that. Um, we should all be pretty happy that he's in the car, as we've said, but I think the only Australian who's bloody stoked that he's not in that car is Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> oh, mate, that car is an absolute pig, isn't it? Like, no one is happy with that car. You can see Zach downplaying, like, expectations at every every chance. Um, yeah, Daniel's so stoked that he's not dealing with that headache. But I think, moving back to Oscar, I think Oscar's plan is just to be consistent be as close to Lando as possible. And if the opportunity arises to kind of beat Lando and qualify, we know Lando qualifies well, but on those kind of like long pace runs, Piastri was right there. He was not far off. And you'd think that's pretty impressive for someone as young as him and as inexperienced in an F1 car. Everyone else who's in F1, really, say him and Logan Sargent are the true rookies. You've got DeVries who's got way more experience, but for Piastri to do as well as he did, that's, that's awesome. Well, here's how they line up ahead of the Bahrain Grand Prix in only a couple of hours' time. Max Verstappen on pole, followed by Sergio Perez, Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, Fernando Alonso splitting the two Ferraris and the two Mercedes of George Russell ahead of Lewis Hamilton. Lance Stroll in the mix in eighth. Esteban Ocon way outperforming his teammate 
in Pierre Gasly in ninth. Nico Hockenberg, 10th. Lando Norris in 11th. Valtteri Bottas and Joe Guanyu. We didn't talk much about them, but we will do in the race review episode uh, in 12th and 13th. Yuki Tsunoda in 14th. Alex Albon and Logan Sargent for Williams in 15th and 16th. K-Mag in 17th for Haas, which seems to be out of position for him alongside Nico Hockenberg, who's seven positions ahead of him. And Oscar Piastri, Nick DeVries and Pierre Gasly round out the bottom three cars. Definitely not a time for Pierre Gasly. Definitely ammunition, Tommy T for Campy and uh, Pierre (laughs) Gasly being useless and in the bin. Yes, uh, we're going to hear about it, but it's a long season uh, and... Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Well, listener, that's it for our qualifying review. Just nice and short, sharp and shiny. We are not going to do an immediate race reaction because mainly four hours after the race finishes, we'll be sitting in a studio, all four of us together. There's no point because we'll have all of that action there. Uh, Don't forget you can support the show by leaving a rating or review on Apple or Spotify. Uh, You can grab a Lakeside Drive cord cap. There are only 10 left, so make sure you uh, grab that. The pre-sale finishes on the 8th, which is this coming Wednesday. Uh, We're very excited to jump into the studio. Freya Brolsma joins Tommy T, Campy and myself. And it's only, well, it's only tomorrow away. It's less than 24 hours away until we know the result of Fernando Alonso winning his first Grand Prix in a very, very long time. Uh, But that's all to come. Tommy T, massive thank you to you. We'll see you only in, well, 22 hours for the race review of the Bahrain Grand Prix. It's not too bad for us. It's honestly not too bad for us. Well, it's not too bad for me. Shit, can't. Shit, can't be. Don't live in the summers then. Self-inflicted. <laughs> 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 <laughs>